Almost, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. You can tweet along with us at hashtag on the Wet Coast. You can follow us on Twitter at Wet Coast Cat, that's cat with a K, at Serious Flick, at On the Wet Coast. You can email us, wetcoastpodcast at gmail.com. On this episode, we're discussing stress and ethical non monogamy. There are so many positive aspects about open relationships, but one of the negatives we've discovered is how stressful they can be. Everyone knows that jealousy, self-esteem issues, or mismatched levels of feelings can take their toll, especially when we find ourselves managing them poorly or tamping them down in denial or shame. But it's easy to overlook the emotional cost of good stress, like the excitement of new experiences, meeting people, and new relationship energy. We're breaking down a number of different sources of stress and non-monogamy, as well as some of the ways we manage, cope with, and process that stress so we can focus on the positive and get the most out of sharing the love. Tonight, we are going to talk about stress in the open relationship. Yeah, it's with all the great things that come with open relationships, there's there's definitely a lot of stress. In fact, I have one poly friend who recently said that her advice to people who are interested in open relationships is just to run, run, run as fast as they can. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think all of us at one time or another, we get those feelings of, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? And then the next day you have an awesome, uh, you know, conversation with one of, one of your, your partners online yeah, and you're like, Oh yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Or, or some hot sex with someone and you're like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, happens with with open relationships is is good stress. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, people don't often think about this, and it's it's not just open relationships, but you know, modern busy lives in general. We don't think about the toll that good stress causes, and good stress is you know whenever you're. Uh, you know, excited or heightened, um, you know, that that is actually stressful. Even though you're having a good time, even though you're enjoying it, um, there's a part of your brain and your body that, you know, is really in that, that kind of um, heightened mode. Yeah. You know, your heart is pounding. You've got a lot of extra sort of you know, hormones and chemicals buzzing around in relation to that excitement um, and that stress. And it it affects you exactly the same way as the bad stuff can. Well, yeah, it takes takes a toll on your body and your energy levels. And it's, you know, you spend a lot of time very preoccupied. You know, yeah. if you have if you have a lot of partners that you spend a lot of time communicating with, you know, uh, through phone calls or texting or meeting up a few times a week, 
you know, that's that's taking up a lot of your thoughts. Even between yeah. communication. Yeah, for sure. You're you're thinking about them, you think, you know, maybe I should check in with this person. Yeah. And you know, and yeah, that that feeling of being preoccupied is um it's it is stress. You you think of it as a good thing, but you know, not all not all stress is bad. Yeah. And we've we've talked a couple times about the um, sort of using up clock cycles with with thinking about things all the time um, that, you know, your brain is, you know, a bit of a computer. And when you're processing so many different things and so many different thoughts, you know, you run out of uh, you run out of processor speed <laughs> and uh, it's like, I, I need to get some more RAM or some computer term. I don't, I don't know computers, <laughs> um, but you know, I'm guessing insert jargon here. Well, the, um, I'll, there's, you know, look up the, the spoon analogy for, you know, for an idea of, of, you know, the, the toll of, you know, making decisions and having emotional yeah. costs. Uh, it's kind of a, an interesting online uh, metaphor if you haven't heard of the the uh, the spoon analogy. But you know, but certainly, um, all of us in our regular lives, you know, we make a lot of decisions. We have a lot of interactions, and so uh, you know, sometimes I get decision burnout. You know, yeah. as a programmer, I may I I might make hundreds of decisions a day. And then get home and trying to decide what shoes to wear out for the evening seems like an unconquerable dilemma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's I've experienced that as well. Um, and one of the other things that um, that can be in play is if you're in that really buzzy uh, new relationship energy mode and it's really exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when, you know, one particular person is, is taking up all your thoughts or your time and your brain is just in, in this other place. Like, especially when you start to slowly come down from that. Um, yeah, you can feel, you can feel just absolutely wiped or hung over because, that that uh that state is really really tiring well i mean it's it's funny because it's called new relationship energy but um it's it's newness is is really variable some people yeah. some people have nre in a relationship for you know for a year yeah because true. that's that's just you know the you know the, uh, being in that that you know they call it twitter pated i guess <laughs> um you know, being in that, in that state and yeah, it's, it's exhausting. And I think one of the, it, it can be trying on the people around us when we're in an RE, uh, you know, especially our long-term partners, you know, other long-term partners, because often we don't have a lot of energy left yeah. for other people. And it's really easy in NRE to just, you know, because we get so much out of it to not really have appreciation for the cost that it actually has, not just on our relationship, the other relationships, but on ourselves and, yeah. you know, in uh, taking all of our energy and, uh, you know, leaving us with, with very little yeah, for, for, sure. for everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're, when you're spending a lot of time on, uh, being on, 
it's something that I find really tricky. You know, I'm very much an introvert and I have a couple of fairly extroverted jobs. And so I... What a terrible irony. Yeah. Um, and so I find that I have very little, um, very limited resources for for the energy required to be on for people. So if I have too much social time, even when it's good social time with people I really, really like, um, it's, it's really hard on me. And um, Flick knows that I... I sometimes have a hard time spending time with him and I like him more than anyone else in the entire universe. And we've spent, you know, nearly 22 years together and yeah, I sometimes can barely stand to look at his adorable face <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, I'm just too exhausted and too peopled out. Well, and, and it's, um, you know, there's, I think a lot of people experience uh, cycles in open relationships where, yeah. you know, they, they will, uh, they'll often, you know, be in periods where they're kind of enjoying a lot of their relationships and then other periods where they're, they're meeting a lot of new people. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like the, you know, when you're, when you're meeting people and you're, you know, you're, uh, especially going on a lot of first dates or going to events with, uh, or play parties that you've never been to before yeah. with different, you know, a different crowd, you know, those are, those are extra stresses, you know, and it's, they can be really exciting, but they can also be really, really stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you know, this, this doesn't entirely fall under the category of good stress, but you know, you almost a hundred percent of the time have like these pre-date freakouts. <laughs> yes. Where, yes, I do. Where that, um, I don't know that I would, I don't know I'd, that I'd call them meltdowns. <laughs> uh, they're not, not meltdowns. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, you know, they're, they're something that you know, like you you, it's, the day before, when you're thinking about getting together with this person, it would be all good. But then yeah. that day, as the date gets closer and closer, yeah, and um, you know, it's uh, sometimes you know being around in the pre-date time period <laughs> is <laughs> air quotes time period is it's uh it, it it can be it can be a bit of a uh, a, a danger zone. Um, yeah, danger zone. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the, all these, all these really great things that we experience in the lifestyle, they, they do contribute to our, to our stress levels, even everything that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk about time restraints? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> like, good talk. Um, well, you know, most of us live, you know, super busy lives and it's pretty stressful trying to figure out how we can fit it all in. <laughs> yeah. Um I I don't know who who coined it. Um it it came up in more than two, but there's, you know, there's a phrase in polyamory which is, you know, love is infinite, but time is not. Yeah. Which is, you know, not just that, you know, we've only got so much time on this earth, but also we only have so much time in a week. Yeah. So we can't actually love 
infinite people yeah. in any realistic or meaningful way. Yeah. We can certainly love the concept of, you know, of infinite people yeah. uh, and feel, feel the love of, you know, the universe and humanity in some abstract way. Yeah. Um, but uh, even if you line them all up, I, I, <laughs> like probably what, like max, like a couple thousand in a week. Like, <laughs> If you went round the clock, um, I don't know. That sounds terribly chafy. <laughs> yeah, desire is chafy enough. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, trying to find find the time in the week for for dating people, um, you know, in person. If you've got some, some partners um, that you're seeing as well as, you know, you've got your work commitments, social things, you know, and there's, there's a cost to your vanilla relationships. Um, when suddenly, uh, this is, you know, a new thing you're doing and, and you have, you know, most of your spare time is now taken up with new friends. Yeah. It's, it's really the thing for time restraints, it's the thing that causes, I think, the most anxiety for, uh, you know, for for new for new partners. If you're a new partner for someone who's in a long term relationship, or you're in a long term relationship and you have new partners, the the fact that you have limited time available is the thing that that threatens their relationship with you the most. Yeah. So, um, it's it's funny your. Uh, your long-term partner is um, is going to be a lot less threatened about you meeting somebody new than somebody you've been seeing for a few months who's been seeing you once a week or once every other week who now might not see you, um, you know, even once a month because you're spending all this time with this with this new person. Yeah. So new 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 relationships are a big threat to, you know, for, um, you know, what you might call secondary relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that in, in hierarchical relationships, um, you know, se- secondaries can, um, can easily get far more jealous than primaries of, you know, of their, their, uh, their metamors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I personally have experienced more jealousy with with partners I don't see often than I do with with your partners. Um, yeah, because there is that that really limited time. Yeah. And limited time and and also kind of more vulnerability, right? Yeah. You don't you don't have 22 years yeah. of history to, you know, to to know that that, that bond is going to yeah. is going to survive that. So, yeah. um, so yeah. And in terms of the, you know, I, I think a lot of people over the last year, you talked about the cost to vanilla relationships. I think a lot of people in our lives have kind of noticed us kind of peeling off to do our own thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, and because we're not privy to the gossip that occurs behind our back. Yeah. We, we don't know what it, you know, what they think is going on with us. Yeah. And, you know, I had a, I had a dinner the other night with a, with a good girlfriend and, you know, we, we ended up crying at a restaurant Um, because, you know, I, I came out to her and she, she'd been kind of 
she'd kind of known something was going on and had been suspicious that it might be a, a polyamory kind of thing. Um, and she got really, really choked up because she had felt over the past year us pulling away and and seeing all these new people popping up in our horizon and these trips we were taking and and all these things that that didn't include her and she felt like she was being left behind and she was really heartbroken and then I was really heartbroken um to have have been part of causing that for her and it was it was really tricky and it was a part of being closeted that I had that had never occurred to me right um I just yeah I didn't think about that particular cost that might be in our vanilla relationships like I was trying to to protect that vanilla relationship because I wasn't sure how she was going to respond and whether she might be angry or judgy or or what she might be feeling um but it really never occurred to me that she might have been hurting and she'd really noticed how I had I've changed over the past year and become you know she said like more me and um (laughs) (laughs) well I mean that's that's an amazing thing to hear from somebody but also to the heartbreak of hearing that you know, it felt that it made made her feel like she was losing you. Yeah. You know, that's that's really tough. So so yeah, like our our time constraints are gonna have have an impact. Have an impact. You know, on our on our vanilla friends, on our our family, anybody that we now just have less time for. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and for for me, it's you know being someone who has a flexible work schedule. Um, it has created a lot of challenges with, you know, being self-starting and, uh, you know, and, and getting stuff done because it's so easy to just, you know, fall into a, a social media, um, void for several hours and, you know, and, and have Facebook on the computer in front of me and my phone in my hand and just be, you know, messaging friends and, and, uh, you know, and, and partners, Mm-hmm. And just, you know, really, um, really getting a lot of, you know, uh, charge and energy out of that, that just pulls me away from, you know, any desire to, to, you know, to buckle down and get, get work done. Yeah. And I've sometimes come home and found you with four or five chat windows open and your phone in your hand. And I'm kind of like, are you not working right now? <laughs> um, or I well, hear... I kind of. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that can, that can definitely get in the way of, of work things. Well, and, and with, with social media and smartphones, we are often, you know, available for, uh, you know, for, for any friends, basically all our waking hours, you know, so, um, anytime we're, you know, if we're, we have downtime, we're sitting and watching TV or we're reading or we're on our, on our computers, you know, we have complete, our, our friends have complete access to us. Yeah. And when, you know, and when those friends are sending us, you know, uh, dirty pictures or sexy messages yeah. or trying to talk us into, you know, uh, into, you know, some, uh, some dirty chatting with them, you know, that's, that, that's a serious distraction and it's, it can be almost constant. Yeah. You know, you, you might, you might come home and basically, 
um, you know, your your phone will never go into automatic lock mode because <laughs> because you you know you've just you've just been um, communicating so constantly with people all over the place. Yeah, and that's you know in some ways I'm really lucky, although I often feel like I'm. I'm out of the loop that I, one of my jobs, well, actually both my jobs, um, I, you know, I, I'm completely out of touch for, you know, hours at a time. And then I like frantically check my phone when I get, you know, five minutes to myself and attempt to respond to everything. And if I pick it out of my purse, you know, during that time and, and there's nothing, I'm like, Oh, oh nobody loves me. I was offline for 55 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody messaged me. I'm the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, it 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 can get a little out of hand. Um, yeah, and and it can get out of hand for me for my personal recharge time. Um, that when I you know I'm trying to do my introvert thing, um, and you know grabbing completely solo time. I can definitely let that get eaten up by messaging with people and, yeah, being on Twitter and, and doing all that stuff um, that then I, you know, end up not really feeling like I had recharge time. You know, I had fun. <laughs> um, and, um, and but yeah, I'm not actually getting that that solo recharge time that I am really requiring. And so then I just want more and more and more of it, um, which I spend messaging and sending dirty pictures myself to people. <laughs> um, and I also find it hard to, to really make time for creative pursuits, things like writing, um, or podcasting, right? Yeah. Or podcasting. Um, but I find Especially for doing like creative writing, um, I like writing dirty stories and and writing blog posts and that sort of thing. And I I have a hard time, especially for the like for the like really creative uh, storytelling. You know, just having enough mental energy to to really buckle down and do that. It takes a lot of brain work and. Um, yeah, if I've got too many distractions or, or too much going on, um, I'm just like, oh, I'm too tired for that. Um, I can't wrap my brain around it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an avid gamer, and I have done so much less gaming in, in the last year yeah. than previously, just because um, there's so much overhead with, with open relationship stuff, you know, communicating with people and, you know, planning stuff. It's yeah. It, it takes up so much of my time and energy that, yeah, I don't have, I, I just haven't made time for a lot of the things that I love to do. Yeah. Cause those things don't involve the sex. Yeah. You don't, you don't get laid as much yeah. playing world of Warcraft, <laughs> like not really surprisingly less <laughs> it's it's not really a surprise to surprisingly me. <laughs> less um so what are a lot of the things that are are kind of bad stress associated with open relationships and polyamory well you know jealousy is usually the one that that's the the big bad that comes to mind well yeah the, i mean yeah jealousy jealousy is the thing that people kind of 
fear the most yeah. in open relationships. And yet, um, I, w- I would go on a, out on a limb and say jealousy is actually inevitable. So, yeah. so um, you know, it's it's absolutely going going to come up. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to take up a lot of your thoughts. You're going to get into those those kind of negative thought cycles where you yeah. have like three or four unproductive negative thoughts that just kind of you know um, go cycling uh, into each other. Rumination. Rumination. Is yes. that is that the? Uh... That's the term. Wow. Yeah. That is the term. That's also what cows do with grass. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, they, they, cows chewing chewing grass. It's rumination. It is. <laughs> Look it up. I I I don't think I made that up. I think I I think there's a similar term, but I yeah <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, I'm I'm not down on my my cow biology. <laughs> um, another bad stress. <laughs> You know, actually, now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking you might actually totally be right about that. About rumination? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably where it comes from. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Anyway. So, so uh, yeah, come and comment on this uh, on this podcast. Tweet us. Yeah. <laughs> at Wet Coast Cat. Or at Serious Flick. For your thoughts on cow rumination. <clears throat> <laughs> So uh, another thing that is definitely in the category of bad stress is the emotional roller coaster. The way, uh, you know, one day, well, I shouldn't say one day. I mean, you know, maybe like one minute you feel like, oh my God, I'm a fucking sex god and everybody loves me. And then the next minute is like, you know, why is this person that, you know, uh, I'm having strong feelings about. Uh, not reciprocating the way I'm hoping, um, you know, and yeah, you can get, you can get the, that cycle of the, you know, having so much of your, your worth, um, affected by the, you know, um, how somebody else happens to be responding to you. Yeah. And even I, I have the, the roller coaster, even with like, you know, a specific person's like responses to me that, Mm, that I, mm -hmm. you know, it's not even the, like these people are, are giving me this and this, these people are giving me this. It's like, I'm getting like, when I get all the good stuff from that person, I'm all like, yay! Oh my gosh, everything's great. And then when I get the kind of cold or distant or tired, unable to communicate stuff, I'm like, everything's terrible. Oh my God. (laughs) And, and so, you know, yet I'm so moody that I really should not take other people's moodiness personally, (laughs) Um, but I do. Um, so yeah. Yeah, A friend friend of mine, um, I, sometimes I won't even know I'm in a bad mood. But he will just like take one look at me and he'll say, are you in a mood? And it's like, I didn't even notice until he asked. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in a mood. <laughs> Cause there's nothing that is quite like someone pointing out that you're in a mood to really get you in that mood. Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? Um, fuck is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> 
But your menu is fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, someday we'll explain that. Um, But yeah, their menu is fucked. Um, Yeah, so that that you know can be such a, a giddy roller coaster, and the looking you know when. You see someone's online, and there's those evil little green dots that are like, hey, they're there, and they're not talking to me. Or you see them on, you know, on social media and and posting things and, you know. Okay, so here, here's a question. Yeah. You send a message on Facebook. Yeah. And uh, it's hours later, and they haven't replied. Yeah. Um, is it worse if they have seen it? Or they've been online for hours and have not yet seen it. What is worse? Ah, uh, the second. They've been online for hours and haven't even read the message. Yes, that is worse. Okay. Yeah. And that happens, like, that happens with Facebook and that happens with, with Google. And iMessage, I and, think. And, yeah, and iMessage, it tells yeah. you read. Yeah. Because at least if they've read it and maybe haven't answered, they might have gotten distracted. Um, they might have... Like, had to think about it. Um, yeah. Or, like, they just, you know, just don't have it in them to answer right now. But, yeah, if you have been seeing that they've been there and just haven't looked at your message. <laughs> yeah, that feels personal to me. Meanwhile, they've, like, posted, like, ten tweets. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hey, <laughs> Flick, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more On the Wet Coast. Hey everyone, Flick here. I want to tell you about an amazing vacation we had last year at Desire Resort and Spa Riviera Maya in Cancun, Mexico. We spent an outstanding week with an exciting group of sexy geeks when we joined Life on the Swing set in Paradise. It's no exaggeration to say that it changed our lives. This year, Swing Set takes over the resort from November 5th to 12th, bringing an even greater experience, running our own inclusive theme nights, packing in even more sexy, geeky, welcoming shenanigans into our seven days. Kat and I met amazing new friends and partners last year, and we can't wait to see what this year has in store. With fewer than 20 rooms left, now's the time to book to get in on the fun. Go to lifeontheswingset.com and follow the Desire Takeover 2016 link to contact Char Travel. A small refundable deposit secures your place in paradise. Meet us in the hot tub and we can debate who's the best doctor. Tennant! Obviously, it's David Tennant. Hope to see you there. Welcome back. So, um, you know, anytime you're, you're dealing with uh, you know, uh, relationships, sexual relationships, romantic relationships, uh, self-esteem issues are going to be, are going to be a big thing. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's a useful fiction to, um, to kind of treat your self-esteem as if it's something that is a hundred percent in your control that, you yeah. know, that before you go out and, and, uh, you know, have relationships, you need to get your own self-esteem in order because it comes from within. Um, yeah. but, uh, that's, that's kind of unrealistic. You are going to have self-worth issues related to how people accept or reject you. Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, and if you've got like a solid grounding in your self-esteem and let's say like you get like 75% maybe, you know, as your core that you can generate yourself and then that 25% maybe is going to be the the flux. Um and as long as you've, you know, you've got that 75%, I think like I personally can sort of weather the blips fairly well and that's something that has really come to me as I've gotten older, um, right. and, and I've said before that I probably couldn't have done this open thing when I was younger, um, because as I've gotten older, and especially, you know, once I got into my 40s, um, you know, my my self-esteem and my knowledge of myself just solidified so much, and, you know, I, like, I know I'm pretty fucking awesome, <laughs> Um and so when I get those those blows to my ego and to my self-esteem, like, they, they hurt. Like, it sucks. But they're usually fairly temporary um, or it's sort of a, it's kind of a, a blip and a pain that comes and goes. But it's not something that is going to completely knock my feet out from under me well, or, I, not, or not long-term anyway. Yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, I think that's an important um, distinction to make because, you know, you talk about getting 75% of your, you know, your self-worth from your, from yourself and, you know, 25% from, you know, from, uh, from external sources. But, um, you know, my feeling is that, you know, that it's, it's not as if at any one time, I'm getting 75% from myself and and 25% from other partners because, you know, when I feel the sting of rejection, uh, I'm closer to 0% self-esteem overall, Mm -hmm. right? And it's it's more like overall 75% of my self-esteem is self-generated. But in, in, at one particular time, it might be closer to 0%. Yeah. But I think if you've got that, that, base you have those moments where you go down to zero and then you're then you come back up so um so it might take a day it might take an hour it might take five minutes between being like wow i'm a worthless piece of shit and like hey fuck them i'm awesome um (laughs) well i i mean one of one of the things for uh, you know, for rejection and, you know, and, and other self-esteem issues uh, that are that are tied to our other relationships is um, I feel like we have uh, an advantage over monogamous people uh, and a disadvantage. The disadvantage is that um, that we are um, that we are taking risks that we don't necessarily need to we're risking rejection even though we already have a stable relationship. So yeah. someone who, someone who's monogamous in a long-term relationship, they're not going to go out and start dating somebody and then get those get, you know, that that rejection. We are yeah. we're we're taking risks that single people take even though we don't we don't actually have to. Yeah. Um on the other hand, it means that when we do have rejection, we do have a network of support. Yes. We have, we have, uh, you know, long-term partners, we have friends, we have, you know, um, we have other people who are, who are in open relationships. You know, we have this whole network of, you know, wonderful people and sexy people who, 
you know, who we can really kind of, you know, reground ourselves with. Yeah. And, you know, and kind of remind ourselves, you know, oh, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not that person who is like, you know, um, just, just curled up in a ball because of, because of this. I've got all these other wonderful things going on in my life. Now, it's not to say that, um, that that eliminates the pain of rejection, but those are other wonderful things that will fill our life. Um, that mean that the, um, that the, the part of our life that is, you know, that is really kind of, you know, dark and painful is, um, you know, is, is less of our, our experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, um, no, lost that thought. Okay. (laughs) So, um, there are, there are kind of they're kind of degrees of rejection, you know, and rejection isn't just somebody, uh, breaking up with you or, you know, there's, there's also partners that, that, uh, that pull away or make, you know, um, or are not giving the, um, you know, giving the, you know, the, the type of, um, of attention or interaction that we want from them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause quite often, you know, there will, you'll have partners that, that are, you know, they like you, they're interested in you, but they're just maybe not at the same level that you are as far as your feelings go or the same level as far as like what kind of a commitment you might want or or like commitment of, of time or resources or of feelings or any of that sort of thing that, you know, they've expressed a lot of interest in you and you know that they, you know, dig you and respect you and and have a lot of fondness for you, but just aren't wanting to sort of take other steps forward with you. Um, and that, that can really feel like rejection, you know, even though they're not really rejecting you, (laughs) but they're, they're rejecting, you know, something that you want from them. Yep. They're, they're, they're making, you know, they're, they're trying to balance their open relationship life and, You know, and what and, works for them and what's, what works for them. And, you know, and, and often, um, probably most of the time when somebody is, uh, you know, um, is reserved or withholding, it's really not as much about us and, and more about them, uh, you know, doing what they need to do to protect themselves. Yeah. Right. Like how, you know, um, they don't want to, to, you know, to open up their chest too far and expose too much of their heart. And, you know, and it's, it's tough when what we, you know, what we really want to do is just, you know, um, uh, mash our, our bleeding chests together. (laughs) Um, and, but you know, they, they want to be more guarded and if that's what they need to do to feel, to feel safe in the relationship, then, then we have to respect that. You know, and I'm, I'm sometimes like that, you know, I've, I, I definitely, you know, I think after, especially in our early stages when I had a couple, you know, bad experiences and when I fell really hard for the pup and, and that was a disaster, um, I got a lot more guarded and, and a lot more protective of my heart. Um, and so I definitely have sort of these sort of self-set rules about, you know, knowing people for longer and, and doing things before I start to open up. So, you know, I, I get the guarded, reserved thing, 
yet it still is really hard when when I'm getting it from someone else. <laughs> you know, I, I understand why it's happening, but it also blows. My own medicine tastes so bitter. Oh, my. Um, well, it's it's funny. You know, it like, I think... I think we're well aware, everybody's well aware that, you know, uh, the rejection and, and jealousy are, you know, are things that cause, you know, a lot of stress and mental overhead, but, um, having mismatched feelings with somebody where they're more into you, that is also very stressful. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and often, you know, we don't really know the best way to deal with that. And, and so, you know, we, we might try being, being guarded or, um, or just, you know, um, trying to, um, you know, trying to, to kind of preempt and, you know, and kind of, uh, tiptoe around their, their feelings and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, like so many things, it, it often works much better just, just to be very clear and honest, you know, yeah. like, because, if they sense that you're withdrawing and there's no explanation why, then they will take that as a rejection. Whereas yeah. if you explain, you know, why you might have some concerns about, um, but opening too much and, you know, and, you know, just, uh, trying to be, trying to be okay with that disparity yeah. in, in, uh, feelings or where, you know, where you're at, um, yeah, trying to find a way to be okay with that, it can reduce a lot of that stress. Yeah. Because it can feel like a lot of pressure and responsibility yeah. um, when you're, when someone else has, has you know, just kind of handed you their heart and you're like, I don't know how to manage this. Um, <laughs> um, I have no safe place to put this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it can be really tricky. And, and although it's, it's really lovely that, you know, that someone feels that way for you if you're not in the same place. Um, yeah, it's, it can feel like a lot of responsibility and I, and I, you know, dealing with the, the anxiety issues I have, you know, I get, I get really cautious and I get really, um, like it, it kind of puts me off balance. And when I don't feel solid in like knowing what is the sort of quote, right thing to do I get really careful and really really reserved um and even you know just with with friends that we've had you know over the years who were kind of hard to read and kind of weird and idiosyncratic like if I feel a little off balance I just like my walls just go up like crazy Mm. um because I'm trying to to just step really carefully and I find that when when there's that feelings um mismatch I feel really off balance and I put up those walls like crazy I think um, I think one of the one of the things that they I think they talk about in in more than two is about taking yes for an answer and I feel like um having a you know, having that dis- disparity in, you know, in emotional investment is a really good opportunity to, to take yes for an answer. So when you, when you talk to somebody and, you know, and you say, I'm not there, you know, um, is that, is that okay? Yeah. And if they say yes, 
you just have to trust that yeah, trust it is. Yes. Yeah, trust their yes. Trust that that it you know it's going to be their job to uh, to yeah. to monitor it and to to let you know if it's not okay. Now, obviously, it's it's great to check in with that kind of thing as yeah. well. Make sure that the uh, the yes is still yes, and you know, and and um, and make sure that that it's it's that that disparity is still working for them, um, and also to make sure that they that they haven't unintentionally shifted the status quo, because if you know, uh, one of the things that I think we're we're afraid of in that situation is that you know if we get comfortable that the other person will assume oh well they're comfortable now they feel exactly the same way yeah and so checking in is a way to you know to to make sure that the that the status quo doesn't shift by default yeah yeah that's and i you know i am very aware that that everyone is responsible for their own feelings and and i always you know try to reassure partners that I take full responsibility for my own feelings when there's a disagreement or there's some jealousy things or, you know, there's, there's some issues going on that it's like, no, like these are my feelings and they're my feelings. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I far too often take responsibility for other people's feelings too, which is, you know, it's part of, part of the, the disorder I I deal with because like just being responsible for the whole universe all the time is kind of is kind of my thing. Yeah. Um. So, and another thing that is is a source of stress for me is um, is having a vanilla relationships where there are people that that I'm not out to. Yeah. Because. You know, they ask what you've been up to. They, you know, they, they, you know, they, they wonder about who these new people are you meeting, and yeah. and so uh, there's that there's that twinge in your stomach, yeah. and your or and or your chest when somebody asks a question and you know that you can't give them a straight answer. Yes, um, yeah. And so, and it's it's funny because some of the time when I end up coming out to somebody it's because i'm kind of tired and they ask a question and i just don't have the energy for a lie yeah you just don't <laughs> you can't you can't make the filter happen they can't make the filter happen and so you know and so sometimes it, it i might only like come out like 10 percent to somebody in, in a yeah. situation like that where i will just make a you know a kind of a vague you know, remark that, you know, kind of alludes to, to what's happening because yeah, I just, I just don't, I just don't have it to, um, uh, you know, to cough up some, some kind of, you know, um, uh, convincing lie. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tiring. And I've, and I've, I've also, you know, hated having that distance between myself and people I really care about. Yes. Um, yeah, and for sure. wait, you know, answering for the umpteenth time like oh the usual yeah what's know, what's new somebody what's who hasn't new, seen you you know um, <laughs> because you're never around because you're out nailing a bunch of people um and they're like what have you been up to and i'm like you know work and, oh, you know just had a three threesome week That's <laughs> no big deal yeah and you know one sort of useful lie that that i've you know, and not even entirely a lie that have 
used a lot is, you know, that we've been making a lot of new friends just because everyone we know has had babies and, and, you know, they're not available anymore. So, you know, we've been trying to make friends. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a hundred percent true. It's, it's also, just, it's just 10% of the truth. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, that, but, but it's gotten to the point, especially with, you know, people that I really love, that I just, I can't have that fake, you know, that double life or, um, you know, sometimes triple life, um, you know, between us and, and yeah, I end up just needing to talk to them and there's often crying because apparently I cry a lot, um, in restaurants, even though I really don't approve of being emotional in public. There's, there's that, there's that wall, you know, there's that, that twinge of having to be deceptive. There's that, that, that wall between you and the people that you really want to be authentic with. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, and then there's also the mental overhead of trying to figure out, you know, who you've told what, you know, like, like I told this person that I was going to a clothing optional resort. Did I tell them anything else about that? (laughs) Yeah. Um, or, um, you know, I, you know, I mentioned to this person that, um, my wife had a date on Sunday night. Um, did they think I was joking? Like, so, you know, yeah. you, like when you're, um, and, yeah, and, cause and, I will refer to, you know, going out with friends yeah. as like, okay, we've got a date on Wednesday, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, and you, and you made reference to to uh, you know triple life, and you know, and certainly sometimes there are there are people that we've come out to, but haven't come out all the way, right? Yeah. Who who might know that we're in an open relationship, but don't know that we're polyamorous, or who know that we're polyamorous, but don't know that we're like crazy slutty swingers and stuff. <laughs> um, so. Um, so yeah, it's it's a um, it's it's a it's a big source of stress, and so you know yeah I've I've um, I, I've found that that's that's a thing that you know it um, it also interferes with with things that that might you know normally make you happy or recharge you. Yeah. All right. So coping with stress. Um, I have various kinds of self-care techniques that I use um, that work to a certain degree. (laughs) Um, I, you know, have been doing um, some mindfulness meditation. Um, I found that Headspace app that uh, was discussed on the swing set a while back has been fairly useful for me, you know, taking some time, doing some breathing, some mindfulness exercises, um, gives me some, some mental space to process things. And I've found that that's been pretty useful for me. Um, and just, you know, exercise and yoga and all that kind of thing, um, is, it is stuff that I do for stress, but you know, again, none of this is particularly new or, you know, like, wow, I just changed the world. You know what you should do for stress? Um, but those are just, you know, things that, that have worked for me to a certain extent. Um, you know, and just getting enough personal time, just, I have to set limits, um, for myself and with partners. Um, 
to get enough just time for myself. Um, well, I, I think um, I think everybody sort of recognizes that they they do need time to themselves. You know, especially introverted people. But um, I think one of the important things is to is to really when you take your personal time, take your personal time. Yeah. Like, don't fill up your you know your personal time you know running errands or getting back to to people in emails or you know or planning trips like take take that time to get your head out of that stuff for a little while yeah. and maybe maybe think about some of the other stuff that that we've we talked about earlier things that that don't seem stressful to us because it's good stress yeah those are things that are very tempting to fill your personal time oh with. yeah it's like oh i'm gonna have a day to myself today i'm just gonna take time to myself and then you spend all the goddamn day on you know on social media um talking talking to your lovers yeah. so you know that is that's not that's not time to yourself it really isn't no no it's not and and it's awesome time but <laughs> it's, yeah it's not time to myself um, you know, and just, you know, really making sure that you actually spend time doing the things that give you joy. Um, you know, and sex is one of those things. <laughs> um, and, you know, messaging people I care about is, you know, these are all, you know, things that give me a lot of joy. Um, but, you know, the other stuff that I do that, that gives me joy that I can let fall off um, you know, my, my radar because I am very easily influenced by cock. (laughs) 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 It's, it's, it's a thing. It's the truth. Yeah. Um, well, the, um, we, we talked a little bit about sort of, um, mental overhead, right? Like being preoccupied and, uh, and I think, I think the biggest thing to help dealing with being preoccupied is communication. Yeah. Communication with your partners um, about, you know, about your needs, um, making sure that, um, you know, making sure that we are asking for space. If you need personal time, then don't be afraid to ask for it. Don't, don't assume that you're going to get it. Don't assume that just because, you know, um, you have this day off, that you're going to get that time to yourself if you haven't asked for it. You yeah. know, don't don't make assumptions about about you know what people are going to give you if you haven't asked for it, and you know, and um, and and just being open and vulnerable with our partners about what is on our mind. You know, what's what's eating us up. You know, what are our stupid little jealousies. You know, what. You know, what are our anxieties about things? Um, if, um, you know, if, if there's, if there's something that's, that's worrying you about, about one of your relationships, then, you know, then, then maybe share that with, um, you know, with one of your other partners. And, um, you know, that's, that's what, that's what intimate relationships are for is to, you know, is really, you know, in addition to boning, um, (laughs) It's, yeah, it's, it's about, it's about sharing those things. Yeah. And times when I have been more vulnerable with my partners and, and shared those things that, 
have been eating at me, I always feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, even mm-hmm. if in the moment it's it's rough and there might even be some, you know, some backlash or some like pushback or or that kind of thing related to it, it 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 inevitably resolves something and at least takes a certain amount of that off my mind. Yeah, it takes that overhead away and yeah. you know and um you know it may be a little messy in the moment. Yeah. Um but you know there was there was a time like uh, a couple weeks ago when I was uh, I was literally about to head for the door and you could tell that something was wrong. And so we we talked about it and we only talked about it for for a few minutes. We didn't really like kind of like completely hash it out, but you know, even taking just just a few minutes made a huge difference for yeah. me. I felt, you know, I felt much better. I went out and, you know, and and had an evening out and it yeah, it it totally transformed that that feeling and I just I just wasn't, you know, preoccupied with that that yeah. thing anymore. Uh, to the point where I just, I can't even remember actually what it was. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, sh- uh, sharing every time I've, I've been trying to, trying to sort with something, sort something out on my own and, and getting nowhere, uh, sharing it just makes all the world a difference. Yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about in coping with stress was about balance and th- and when i talk about balance that's where where often we our instinct is to um to just retreat farther and farther and farther you know because we're stressed and we're tired and so it's like well i need i need rest yeah I what need i to need be off. i need to be off i need to turn off and and often that's not what we need what we need is um, you know, is, is more balanced. So, you know, I might not need to go to sleep. I might need to go out with some friends and laugh and have fun. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I might actually need to do something meaningful that, that means something to me, whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's writing that I'm, that I meant to do, uh, you know, doing this podcast or, you know, or a, um, you know, an email or connection that, that, uh, that I've been putting off. Or getting getting some work done, you know, to get that that sense of you know of accomplishment that that comes with that. So so yeah, coping with stress. Um, some sometimes um, it's about sometimes it's about um, just um, putting a blanket over ourselves and you know sitting down with with a with a cup of hot chocolate. Sometimes it's it's about having fun. Um, but sometimes it's about relieving some of the things that are stressing us out. Yeah. Right. So, well, and yeah, that is something that's a big, like, you know, I find clutter and, and messiness and stuff like that, you know, very mentally taxing. Yes. And so, you know, one of the things that does actually relieve stress for me, even though it's not relaxing is cleaning. Yeah. Um, or, you know, fixing the dishwasher or those things because that's a task that needed to get done and now it's done and I don't have to fucking think about it anymore. And yeah. Yeah. So, so if you're, if you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, it might not be that, that you need to, to, you know, um, to sit and watch Netflix. It might be that you actually need to, uh, to figure out a few of the things that are preoccupying you and, and sort that shit out. 
Um, you know, and we spoke a bit earlier about, about coming out and how that can, you know, relieve some of the stress in your other relationships. Um, just, just, you know, get to be honest about what you've been doing and, you know, who these new friends are and what you were doing on the weekend. Um, and, you know, being able to be authentic with people is always just so much more relaxing. Yeah, it, it's true. And yeah, having having people that um, you don't have that anxiety about, well, what if they, they knew what was really going on? Yeah. And, and what if I slip up? Yeah, what and if what I if, slip up? And, yeah. Or, you know, what if they see me out with, yes. with somebody? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like just... Um, yeah, being, being part of what's really great for me about, uh, you know, about being open and all the sexual liberation that's come with it is I feel more me. I feel yeah. more authentically me. I feel, you know, much, much less sort of, you know, um, repressed and, um, you know, and, and like I have to put on a, a persona. And so, being able to be that person with the people that I care about most is it, it takes off so much stress and, you know, and there's, there's a real sense of, um, of joy and accomplishment. And, you know, and one of the, one of the things that's stressful about, um, about not being, uh, not being out is, um, is wondering what would happen. Yeah. If this person knew. Yeah. Right. Like what, you know, what, what if they knew? And, you know, but the reality is that especially with our closest friends, we're risking that relationship anyway. Yes. By being, by being closeted. Yeah. Because the, there's the wall. There's the wall. The yeah. wall is between us. And, and you're, you're basically excluding them from your life. Yeah. So that they can't exclude you from their life <laughs> um, that's yeah i never thought about it that way that's kind of amazing um so it's something that that yeah it it is this is this thing that we think that we're doing to prevent this thing that's hap you know from happening yeah. that is kind of happening so, yeah there's the yeah. um it's it's been said to me that uh that lies and with withholding the truth um, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't save us from, from consequences. It only defers them. Yeah. So the things that we're trying to prevent through withholding that, um, there's a good chance it will happen anyway. Now, now that said, you know, some of the things that you fear about coming out to people are possible. Yeah, for sure. You, you know. can lose friends. Yeah. And most people that we know who have, you know, been really open have lost friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's really heartbreaking. And, and when, um, you know, when their friend struggles with it and, you know, and they, the, your friend tells their partner and their partner loses it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and now there's, there's all this tension between you and, you know, um, you know, so, you know, so I don't, I don't want to advocate, um, everybody just, you know, carte blanche coming out yeah. because, you know, they, there are, there are other risks to people, yeah. you know, you, um, 
And especially in America. Especially in America, because, uh, you know, uh, polyamory, open lifestyle, these are things that are not protected under the Constitution. No. So, you, you can, your landlord could kick you out. Yeah. Your, uh, you could, um, you could have serious trouble in a custody battle. Yeah. Um, it could affect um, divorce settlements. Yeah. So, so yeah, com- coming out is is not without risks. So we don't want to we don't want to downplay that, you know. And I also I also just want to say a word that um, that when we use the word coming out, it's because you know it's um, it's convenient terminology that everyone understands. I don't want to downplay the um, the huge leaps and struggles that um, that people who are um, that, that deal with uh, coming out with their sexuality mm-hmm. um, or gender identity issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, me, you know, deciding whether to tell my friends that, you know, I'm, I'm dating other people. It just does not compare yeah. to what a lot of people have to endure to that. And I, I'm very grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to have, so you know, so much choice and option for how I yeah. live my life and express it to to the people I know. Yeah. Um, the, you know, and and we we've touched on it before, um, but one of the biggest things to help you deal with stress is the community that you develop. Yeah, and it's been one of the amazing things that we've that we've really come across. Um, you know, particularly through, through meeting people through swing set, um, that have developed, um, an amazing, uh, group of people that we've met, um, through, you know, through online things, through Twitter, um, through Cassidy, through, you know, going to desire, um, you know, and we've also, you know, made a community here, um, you know, through the people that we've been dating and, you know, we've, we've developed a lot of really great close friendships with people, um, that we, you know, were connected with and, you know, maybe dated for a while and then it didn't really stick. Um, but we've, we've remained friends with a lot of those people and have kept that community and that support going. Um, so that, you know, we're always willing to, to chat and support each other and have a lot of those, like, I'm going through this. What are you doing? And, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's been really remarkable to to find that, that community. And, you know, so often um, I've experienced, you know, like these twin brain moments with with some of my with some of my friends um online that you know we start chatting about something and it's like how are we going through exactly the same thing at exactly the same time oh you my know? god um and and it's been really wonderful to have those those people that you can reach out to and even when i'm just having a shit day and kind of vague tweet a bit and everyone's like yay i love you and i'm like oh i feel so much better yeah. like it's... well and 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 that's the other thing about coming out is yeah. that is that you have now extended your support network to some of your vanilla friends yes. because you can be authentic with them and yeah. you know and and yeah like i've had some some really great support from from people that that i've come out to um and you know the we we might be tempted to you know to not you know burden people right to keep those things to ourselves yeah. you know that we oh we don't want to share we don't want people to know that 
things are tough. Yeah. They're having such an awesome time. Nobody else in the world is struggling. <laughs> it's just me. Um, but I know because of how how much you know, I love to to support people when yeah. they're going through stuff. That uh, it is it is a gift to somebody when you ask them for help. Yeah. Right. Like reaching out to people. It's an opportunity for them to show you love and compassion, and and yeah, it's it it, it really is it really is a gift because I know it's it, it's a gift to me to be able to offer that to somebody else. Aww. Oh, <laughs> are you getting all schmoopy? I am getting all schmoopy. <laughs> well, this has been on the wet coast. <laughs> I'm Cat Stark. I'm Flick. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at WetCoastCat, at SiriusFlick, at OnTheWetCoast. You can email us, wetcoastpodcast at gmail.com. You can read Kat's blog at onthewetcoast.com or on lifeonthesingset.com under the blog title On the Wet Coast. You can also hear a lot more of Cat by buying the audiobook of Cooper S. Beckett's novel, A Life Less Monogamous, available at alifelessmonogamous.com. Enter code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%. Our theme music is A Naked Gun, Bank Assault, by Francesco Dandria. Episode music is Puzzle Pieces, by Lee Rosebeer. This is Charlie Glickman, sex and relationship coach and co-author of The Ultimate Guide to Prostate Pleasure. You're listening to a Swing Set podcast at Swing Set FM.